Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to speak to you from the subject, Reawaken. Reawaken. Two weeks ago we began this series where I called the church to re-engage. And last week we were able to physically join together and we relaunched. But today I hear, bubbling out of my heart, And out of my spirit, the call of the Holy Spirit to the called out ones, church, chosen men and women of God, it is time to reawaken. Reawaken to our purpose. Reawaken to his love. Reawaken to his calling and his commissioning. Church, it's time to reawaken. Because true and lasting change can only come from the Spirit-led church of Jesus Christ. And that Spirit-led church produces Spirit-led people. And so today I want to call you to come close to the Holy Spirit who will challenge you and change you. And may He act through you and me and us to bring true and lasting change. In Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified. Let me ask you, only this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In chapter 5, he goes on, so he says, you... You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping with this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other, consumed by one another. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, their hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace and patience, it's kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires, its old nature. Since we live now by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, 
and envying each other. Holy Spirit, come now. Holy Spirit, reawaken your church to who we are and who we're called to be. And as I speak, Holy Spirit, will you speak? God, I pray that you speak, that you challenge, you comfort, and you convict, that you help us and you lead us. And God, whatever I miss, will you fill in the blanks? The things I'm unable to say, God, will you say it fully? The comfort I'm unable to bring, Holy Spirit, will you bring it? And Holy Spirit, we give this moment to you. First and foremost, we are open and ready to receive from you. In Jesus' name. Where should I begin today? Should I begin with a nation that is roiling, filled with unrest and anger? Should I begin with the injustice done to George Floyd? With the injustices that so many of our black brothers and sisters have experienced? Should I begin with the peaceful protests? Talk about the violent riots? With the anger towards broken systems that's boiling over? Even between the saints? Turning father against son and mother against daughter? Should I begin with the absent leadership? People that are more concerned with being right than being righteous. The spirit of lawlessness that has hijacked the hurting and is driving so many people to despair. Should I begin where we all agree that what happened to George Floyd was murder and the cold callousness of the men who were supposed to protect us and serve us so many times fail us, and we feel helpless? Or should I begin with the fact that somehow something the whole nation agrees on is opening the door to divisiveness and condemnation between those whom Christ has called and chosen and set apart and loved and died so that we could come together? Should I begin with the world? Should I begin with the church? The world has fallen. It's broken. And it will pass away. But the church is redeemed. It will be rescued. And it will live forever. A church throughout history that has not been perfect. But has been promised by God that he loves it. And he will build it up. And he will perfect it. And one day, he will come for his beautiful bride. And he will bring us into eternity with him. And he will reestablish us next to him. Where do I begin today, church? Do I begin with the doctrine of men and the false ideologies that are rising up to stand against grace and against mercy and against truth? Or do I begin with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that says all men and all women and all nations and all colors and all classes are welcome at the foot of the cross that has made an open door and has prepared the way to Jesus, the Son of God. This is where I must begin, at the cross of Jesus Christ. I ask you, church, have you looked at the cross this week? The cross 
the instrument of torture that brought freedom to torture souls. The cross upon which Jesus hung and took our curse so that we could be released. If you're really the Messiah, the crowd shouted to Jesus, take yourself down from the cross. But his silence replied, I can't do that because if I do, it is you who will have to occupy this cross. It is the world that will have to rest on this cross. It is the world that will have to forever, forever be under curse and condemnation, injustice and oppression. It had to be Jesus that took all of that on himself on the cross, that God could look away from him so that he could look at us, that he doesn't have to look away from our society. That God doesn't have to look away from our hurting and our brokenness and our sin and our shame, but he can come to us in the broken place and lift us out of that because Jesus was lifted on the cross. For the wages of sin is death, and all have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He paid the ultimate price. The personal price for the sinful actions of other people. And instead of judgment, he chose to dispense mercy. Instead of condemnation, Jesus called us clean. He's freely given us grace. He fulfilled his own prophecy by saying, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men, all mankind, unto myself. Church, if unity cannot be found in Jesus, it cannot be found in anyone or anything else. Have you come to the cross this week? Have you pled for his blood to cover you and cover your family so that the angel of death will pass over you? Because that's his promise. Or have you begun to dabble in a false gospel? One that has a form of godliness, but it lacks and denies the power that has good but is absent of God, that brings catharsis but no redemption and no lasting change. Having begun in the spirit of Jesus, are you now being made perfect by the flesh, by your own human effort, by your own goodness, by your own betterness? Like Peter, you got out of the boat in faith looking at Jesus with your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's where you began. Like Peter, you took steps where no man has ever tread. The very elements of the world defied their nature to come underneath your feet and empower you to step into and on top of the miraculous. Because with God, all things are possible. Not some things, not advantageous things, but all things are possible. He makes a way in the wilderness, streams in the desert. He turns water into wine. He makes the lame walk. Jesus makes the blind see. He makes the deaf hear. He sets freedom to the captives. He loosed the bondages of the oppressed. He opens the sea before you and shuts the mouths of lions, and he makes you more than a conqueror. Not by your works, but by his mighty hand. By his ultimate power. 
by who he is. Not who you are or who you've been or who you ever could be. Having begun in grace, are you now going to be perfected out of your works? Out of your flesh? We need Jesus. The one who first made a way is the only one that can continue to make the way. Why now, Peter, are you looking at the winds and the waves all around you? Why are you putting your faith in the natural while the supernatural stands before you? We allow the winds of poor theology and half-truths to drown out the words of Jesus. Christian, disciple, Jesus follower, if you're drowning, shout out again, Lord, save me. Like Peter, when his faith began to shift into the wrong things, and fear began to come on him and envelop him and be over him, he began to sink away from who he was, sink away from the miracle, and sink away from Jesus. But he had to be reminded once again, Jesus, Lord, save me. As blind Bartimaeus shouted out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus will speak back. Jesus will answer. He will speak over the world and over our whole generation. He'll speak over your past, your present, and your future. He will speak over the injustices in our world. The things that are produced by sin. He speaks back from the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. So what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God even now and who is interceding for us, for our nation, for our people, for our time. Who shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep being slaughtered. No, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us 
and separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the truth that you need to hear today. If you are a Jesus follower, that the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Jesus is upon you and he has anointed you for such a time as this. For such a moment and such an hour as this. God has not lifted his hand off of you. In the midst of the shaking, God has not abandoned you. He has not turned his face from his people or forgotten or left us lingering a long way off. For a world that is in desperate need of people right now, our world is in desperate need of people that know how to pray, that know how to have faith, that know how to reach out to God and have the spirit of that Jesus upon them. Jesus himself said, it is better for you that I go so that the advocate, the advocate, his spirit will come and convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. But there are also false spirits. There are ungodly spirits that we will have to wrestle against because our, rest, our, our wrestling and our, our struggling is not against people, flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers and rulers in dark places, strongholds that have set themselves up, not just against God, but against the people of God and the churches of God and the nation that calls itself under God. That's where our, our wrestling is. That's where our struggle is. It's in the spiritual realm. So we must be able to discern the Holy Spirit from unholy spirits. Godly spirit from ungodly spirits. We must be able to discern the fire of God from strange fire. You might say, well, how do I know? How do I know what the, what's the Holy Spirit and what's of the flesh? What's of God or what's of man? How can I identify what is from Jesus or what's from something else? What's from law or what's from grace? Jesus tells us this, you will know them by their fruit. He proclaims, by their fruit, you shall know them. What they produce reveals who they are. He says, before you receive from someone, make sure my spirit is on them. Don't just hear their words, check their life. No one goes to the market and just throws fruit in the bag without closely examining it for outward signs of inward contamination. Church, we must examine the spirit that is trying to come on us, through us, that's trying to come on the world. We must watch it closely for by their fruit, you shall know who they really are. Are you checking the spirit of the content you're consuming? Are you checking the spirit of what you're posting and reposting? The institutions you're aligning yourself with and the organizations you're coming, becoming a part of. Hear me, you don't read an article. You don't read a book. You read an author. And what's on them will get on you. So make sure it's the right spirit. The divine spirit. The Holy Spirit. 
For a good tree always produces healthy fruit. Always. But a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. No matter how hard it tries. Look for good fruit before your spirit consumes it. Paul tells us, look for those that have on them and in them and through them the spirit of love, sense of joy, a nature of peace, actions of patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-discipline. Is that on the people you're following? The words you're receiving? what you're joining, because the seeds that they sow will eventually grow. What's on them will get in you. We need the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for 30 years this church has remained faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it has produced great fruit. For 30 years, our pastors have stood strong, and their children and children's children have risen up, called them blessed, loved the church, And most importantly, love the people of God. For 30 years, community of Chapel of Smithfield, which turned into New Life Worship Center, which is now Awakening Church, has done all it could to bring the cross of Jesus and his Holy Spirit to desperate and needing and broken people. For 30 years, our church has prayed and counseled and loved and served every member of the community with the very best of our ability as if we were serving Jesus himself. For 30 years, we've entered broken communities, forgotten communities, through Rock the Cities, through We Heart Lives. We've served when the news media wasn't there, and when the politicians didn't show up, even though they said they would. And when the social media was silent, we were there. And make no mistake, When the news media isn't there and the politicians are nowhere to be found and social media falls silent again, we'll still be there. Serving the least of these. The forgotten and broken and needing people. And we do it because Jesus did it for us. We were the prodigal sons. We were the Samaritan lost in the ditch. Jesus came and he rescued us church is filled with imperfect and broken but rescued people. And we're called to be a part of his great effort in rescuing others. We're called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus told us in his second commandment to love your neighbor as you love yourself. The sin of racism and prejudice is a violation of that great command from the mouth of a perfect God. God's heart is for our neighbor. He loves them. When they're hurt, God sends his people to serve those. He gave his life in service to those who are hurting. So that's where we're going to be. We're going to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to serve those who are hurting. You know, I I can't change a sinful world, but I can be a part of a holy church. I want the system to change, and I believe it needs to change. But hear me very 
carefully, church, even if it doesn't change, we will still be there serving the people of God. We will love them. We will stand with them because Jesus showed us the way. What you do unto others, you do unto me. Jesus, be with your people. Jesus, be with your church. This past week, I was at the state house of our state in Rhode Island, and I was, I was in prayer, and I looked up, and I saw above the state house, etched into the marble face of the building, is the phrase saying to hold forth a lively experiment that a most flourishing civil state may stand and best be maintained with full liberty in religious concernments. See, the civil state stands, flourishes, and is best maintained when religion and the practice is able to is able to be what it is in complete fullness of liberty. So when the state shuts down the liberty of churches, prayer, the word of God, gathering, like it has these past three months, they must now maintain society and the flourishing of society all, all on their own without the hand of God and God's people. Make no mistake, a godless government will always fail and eventually fall. Always. It is the spirit-led church of Jesus Christ that brings change to men's hearts and renews their minds. We can change policy, and we should. But in order for that policy to be maintained, it has to be policed, which puts us right back into the same corrupted power cycle we're in right now. And, and it's just a downward spiral. So where do we look for solutions? Because it seems like more rules isn't changing hearts. What do we do? Who do we look to? It seems like the civil state is doing the opposite of flourishing. It's burning and crashing. What do we do? And who do we turn to? What do we look to for solutions? Do we look towards education or programs or regulations or institutions or secular leaders? Are these not the very things that brought us to the place we're at right now? Church, we need a better way. We need Jesus. Jesus tells us in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. What is he saying? He's saying we live in a fallen world, but I will change the individual that runs to me. So run to him, church. Run to him, nation. Run to him, Rhode Island. Run to him, people. Fall before him. Seek the presence of God. Let him change your heart. Then rise up and become the change that Jesus wants to use. As I was praying at the state house, I felt deeply convicted. I felt the Holy Spirit speak very clearly to me, and, and he corrected me. And he spoke to me and said, you have looked for too long 
you have looked for salvation in politics. The Holy Spirit challenged me and corrected me. To be completely honest, I didn't think I looked towards them all that much at all. And yet the Holy Spirit says, even in that, you have looked for salvation in the wrong place. I'm looking for ungodly people to build a godly system. I'm looking to broken people to bring healing. How could they? Hear me, the solution is not the state. Solution, salvation is not the state. What government has ever, in all of human history, ever done right by its people? Who could we ever point to and say, we want them to rule over us? Who could we ever point to and shout, give us them? Who would we call on? Caesar's Rome? Napoleon's France? The British Commonwealth? The Persian Empire? Hitler's Third Reich? When has government ever solved the ills of society? Now, government has always been and will always be a broken system run by broken people that produces brokenness, especially if the values that underlie that system do not spring up from the Bible, especially if the values are removed. These values that created a free society that we live in, that we have the right to pursue life and liberty. If our hope is in the state, we're going to be left heartbroken. Because we always look at the outward of people. and We always get it wrong. But God knows the heart. And God can open the doors. And God can make the way. So our best hope is to, to pray in the people. To pray in the people that have a heart after God's own heart. Our hope cannot be in our rulers until that ruler is Jesus. And he promises to one day create his own system and his own government. And he will create a new heaven and a new earth and a new city where he rules and reigns for a thousand years. And there will be justice and there will be truth and there will be complete equity among all men and women. The solution is not more system. The solution is the Savior of Jesus Christ. And I believe that the church has got to be the vehicle for salvation. The imperfect church is what God has chosen to use as the vehicle for salvation. It is the ark of Noah with the open door that shouts out to a broken society. Come in through the door, all you who are weary and who are burdened and who are broken and who are heavy laden and who feel powerless. Come into the church of Jesus Christ. For when the world is judged and when the floods come and when the waters rise, so the church and the people of the church will rise again. For Jesus will lift us up 
us up out of the brokenness of this world into the salvation of eternity. And he will receive us. And in that place, there will be fullness of joy. There will be no more murder. There will be no more racism. There will be no more prejudice. There will be no more brokenness. There will be no more hatred. There will be no more of the things produced by the flesh and sin. But what there will be will be the Holy Spirit flowing things. Love and joy and peace. Brotherhood and humanity. And you say, Jordan, we need that now. I know. I know we need that now. But it only comes through Jesus, his spirit, on his people. A solution for salvation must be Jesus. For Jesus is the door that you enter into, and into the ark of salvation. I am the door, and I am the way, and I am the security in the storm. So don't get swept away as this storm hits the world and hits the church. Hold fast to the people of God. Don't get swept overboard, church. Don't get swept overboard by anger, wrong thinking, false ideologies. Don't get swept away from the one thing that can actually bring rescue. Hold fast to the people of God. And in these times of tribulation, we begin to cry out a different, a different cry and a different prayer. And we look forward to his promise where he said, behold, I am coming quickly. And we respond, even so, come Lord Jesus. In the meantime, what can the people of God do? We can follow the leading of the spirit of Jesus. And we can raise up godly young men and young women whose character is formed by Jesus Christ. And whose hearts are after God's own heart. Because the Holy Spirit will convict what we might never see. He'll change and he'll correct you can have all the outward appearance, but if your heart is that of stone, of sickness, corruption, and sin, then who cares how you look? It's who you are. The Holy Spirit can raise up men and women of character that can bring radical, true, and lasting change, I believe, can speak with the voice of God, not the voice of men. If we could get men and women like that to join our local institutions, if we could get men and women after God to join our local police forces, what if they joined the ranks, raised up a standard, created accountability with their leadership and their godliness and their prayerfulness in the system? There's a man like that who serves at our church, who protects our sanctuary and our people every Sunday. It's a police officer in our state. And this past Monday night, he texted me at 1.30 in the morning. And he asked me to please, please begin to pray and mobilize the prayer team over the city. And I didn't know what was going on, but I wasn't able to sleep. And, and I pulled up the stream and I was able to see the, the rioting that broke out over the city of Providence. Cement had become chaotic. Police cars burning and looting happening. And the police officer that was standing there trying to bring peace 
in order, he reached out to his pastor and he asked me to activate our prayer team. And at 1.30 in the morning, I, I texted our prayer leader. She was awake and she said, right now, I'm telling our prayer team, we're going to be praying every minute through the night. And I stayed up till 4 a.m. texting back and forth with him and the prayer team as well, praying over every single specific situation, not just for the police, but for those young misguided kids as well, that there could be peace and change that comes over our city. We kept a prayer vigil all night long, and from then we started 24-hour prayer through the rest of the day. The next morning he sent me this text saying, thank you for last night. Could have been much, much worse. Even though it was pure chaos, I felt confident knowing that we had powerful prayers being spoken over us. What if we had praying police officers that know praying people that can help bring about true and lasting righteous change? Even in the midst of the worst circumstances. That next morning, we got word that a local business owner in our church had her venue windows smashed through with a brick. So we arrived that morning, sweep up the glass with her and, and to comfort them. And I was able to witness as men of the church began to show up in their trucks, take out their power tools as they took a day off work to help board up that business and replace those windows, and prepare for if there was more violence to come. Beautiful action. Afterwards, we went to the state house where we got on our knees and we prayed over our city. We decided to kneel together before a mighty God and see if the Holy Spirit could begin to speak to us and lead us into a place of righteous, lasting action. We decided our first protest is going to be prayer. And from that, we're going to act justly, humbly, and righteously. We believe that prayer is the foremost change agent in the universe. If by a word from God the earth was birthed, so by a word from God the earth can be changed. We believe that prayer is the first and greatest action in any circumstance. And some say, well, thoughts and prayers aren't enough. I don't believe that. I believe that heaven and earth can pass away, and yet our prayers will pierce eternity. They will move God. They will be heard. They will open doors that we could never open on our own. Our prayers will go before us, and they'll enter rooms we'll never see. They'll affect hearts we'll never be able to touch. They'll come on minds that we could never change. Our prayers are living. They're active. They're powerful. They're wonderful. And they are weapons of war that will bring radical change. Our prayers will tear down strongholds, church. They will unleash angels, church. And they will arrest, put back, Stop the demonic forces of evil that hate us, hate our children, and hate our country. 
D.L. Moody says, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Billy Sunday says, if you are a stranger to prayer, you are a stranger to power. William Cowper says, Satan trembles when he sees even the weakest saints on his knees. Reverend Martin Luther King said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Come on, knock, and the door will be open to you. So we've been praying at the State House every day this week at 8 a.m. A diverse group of people. Every color, every age, from all different cities coming together at 8 a.m. Hundreds of people every single day to pray for radical change. Silently shouting for justice and systemic change for a healed land. I want to bring a good report to you, church. God is already opening doors that we could never have opened on our own. And make no mistake, we have tried. We've knocked out of our own strength. We've pleaded out of our own strength. And the doors were never open. But when we ask God, he will unlock doors that we could never, ever unlock on our own. In the state's power structures, things that could only be unlocked by prayer. As we rose from our knees, God walked city and state officials up to us. People who have been placed like Mordecai's in the kingdom of man. Like Mordecai's in the state so that they could help usher the Esthers, the bride of Christ, the chosen people who God wants to use to rescue his people. God is walking the Mordecai's right up to us. And we didn't even know how far back God has been preparing us for this moment. I, I wish I could tell you the whole story, but it's unraveling even today as I speak, unbelievable, supernatural things that have only come about by prayer over generations, over generations. I can't wait to tell you this full story, but I want you to know, God will use prayers you prayed and words you said and kids that were in your youth group 10 years ago to open up the, the, the doors to the very highest officials in the land so that the Esthers, the bold, righteous people of God can come and stand for justice, especially in the time that's needed like this. When all else fails, we turn to prayer. But let me tell you, we're the people who know how to pray. And we have seen prayer do things. Lord Jesus, start a revival. Revive our people. Revive our hearts. Revive us, Lord Jesus. God, after a shaking, bring an awakening. After these earthquakes, Lord God, will you rebuild us? Will you relaunch us, Jesus? God, we don't want to go back to what we were or what we came from. But Holy Spirit, bring righteous change. Holy Spirit, use your people. 
Place us in the right positions. Bring us into the right moments. Let us stand with right actions, with holy hearts and pure hands, that we might represent you, Lord Jesus, that we might reflect you, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that you use your church, Lord God. God, you've used your church to bring down empires and build them up. You've used your church to establish things in the hearts of man that no legislation could ever establish. You've used your church to save souls, to save marriages, to save legacies, and to rearrange society. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray, and all those on this stream with me pray before you, Lord God, with broken hearts like the the chosen people in Israel, we cry out, deliver us, God deliver us God bring us out of Egypt and bring us into the promised land deliver us Lord Jesus we've tried it our own way we need you Jesus bring revival and strength and boldness and leadership on the church and the people of the church Because God's going to do the work that we could not do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let it be so. So church, as we wait and we hope and we press, can I ask you, let's stay open to each other. Let's pray, let's stay soft and tender-hearted towards each other because the enemy always comes to steal and kill and destroy but the spirit that's on us and on the church comes to bring life and understanding and powerful unity we will fulfill God's call to love our neighbors and we can choose not to bite and devour each other especially online, and end up destroying each other, which the enemy would love. He would love it if we turn inward and we destroy ourselves by friendly fire because we don't have the spirit to discern who the real enemy is and what his real plan is. But Lord Jesus, bring unity amongst the brethren that we might fulfill our call. The Holy Spirit is known as the Advocate. But the spirit of Satan is known as the accuser. That's what the unholy spirit does. It accuses people. If you feel like you are under accusation, I want you to know that is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your advocate. The Holy Spirit stands between you and the thing that's trying to come against you. The Holy Spirit stands between you and oppression and injustice. The Holy Spirit stands between you and condemnation, and lawlessness, and brokenness, and divorce. The Holy Spirit stands where you could not stand with strength, that you could not strength, and he advocates for you. Before the throne of God, he advocates for you. He doesn't accuse. He stands. May we stand as advocates as well. May we stand 
with the Holy Spirit. And let his word be yes. Amen. Blessing and honor and holiness. We have the choice with our lives, with our words, with our actions today to decide who we're going to align with, who and what we're going to allow to flow through us. If we can stay in the spirit, God can knit us together. We can have conversations with each other. We can have conversations with each other. White and black and brown. We can speak to each other. Even the difficult, uncommon, uncomfortable conversations, we can have them. I know that's what I've been trying to do this week. It's I've been trying to engage with people that I know that aren't like me, don't look like me. I've tried to have conversations and hear and love. And of course, it's been uncomfortable. And when you engage in it, church, it will be. But if the spirit of Jesus is there, there will be a spirit of unity that reigns over the uncomfortableness. And even if these conversations are nerve-wracking, they're worth having nonetheless. I believe one of the reasons there's so much silence is because there's so much fear. Many white people don't know what to say. They're afraid of saying the wrong thing, the wrong way, and they don't want to bring more hurt. My friends are telling me many black people are afraid of being vulnerable opening up only to be rejected, called a victim. But how can pain be processed in silence? How can understanding be created out of avoidance? But here's the key. It has to be in the presence of Jesus, where we become brothers and sisters, part of the same family because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, dialogue will just devolve into debate. Sides will be drawn up. Division will grow deeper. But if the Spirit of the Lord could come on His people, on our conversation and on our hearts, the Spirit of the Lord could produce good fruit. Good fruit in our lives, in our friendships, in our church, I'm so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for the people of our church. I'm so thankful for the church of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine where the world would be if there was no church? Can you imagine the state of our society and the state of people if there had been no church working for the last 2,000 years? We want to focus where the church went wrong. What about where it went right? What about the many, many hundreds of times where the church engaged in the uncomfortable things because the Holy Spirit said, now's the time? Where the church of Jesus Christ could bring people that would never come together, ever, for any reason. We can't even enjoy the same things at all in this country anymore. And that's not new. That's always been the way. Can sports unify us? What? Can politics unify us? What? Can fashion, language? But yet, 
when the Holy Spirit came down, there was unity. There was unity. Where the poor man and the businessman sit right next to each other. Where the white and the black, they love each other in each other's homes. The church has made its mistake. It's many, many mistakes. But the church has been advancing and used by God, has done incredible, powerful, supernatural things. And let me tell you, the church, not, the church is not done. The church of Jesus Christ is not done. We've got more work to do, but we're committed to it. So Holy Spirit, lead us. May we not be led by the divisiveness or the ideologies or the anger of mankind. May we be led by the righteousness of the Holy Spirit. Show us the steps to take, Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for the church. Awakening Church. New Life Worship Center. Legacy. South Coast. So thankful for the church and the diversity in it. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. And the fact that we are involved on every level. This week, some went to kneel at the State House steps to pray for this nation and against systemic racism for healing and change and salvation in this country. Some gave financially to those who were affected. Some helped secure the local businesses in case of violence that would come to the city. Some marched in the protests in Providence. And thank God they were peaceful. And I know they were surrounded by a lot of prayer. Others raised their voice online while still others reached out personally with love and openness and the invitation to conversation. Thank God for our church. Church like the one found in the book of Acts, filled with love and action. And I want to personally thank each and every one of you. I want to thank you because you are the church. You are the church. You have the Holy Spirit on you as much as he's on me. You have your own unique gifting and your own unique talents and your own unique voice. And yet, God has brought us together. A beautiful mosaic of difference, but portraying one beautiful image. We are like different parts of the body, but we work together to move forward in health and bring legacy. You are the church, and you've been active. And I thank you for representing Christ during these days when the enemy is trying to destroy this country. I pray that what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around, and he will use for good. And I pray that though the enemy might be laughing now, at the pain and destruction he's caused. I pray he will be silenced and cast down and pushed away. And may the church arise in strength. And may our prayers and our words be the final word. This week we saw George Floyd's family reach out with broken hearts, 
but lift Christ to the entire nation. We're going to do the same. We'll come together under the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross that brings us together as one family church, one people. And may we fulfill the prayer of Jesus over all believers that says, Lord, may they be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Lord, let there be true and lasting change that comes from a spirit-led church filled with spirit-led people. Re-engage us, relaunch us, and reawaken us. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.